chapter 27, verses 45 through 50 of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels, collected out of the works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. The LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 45 through 50. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land, until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran, and took a sponge, and filled it with vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Creation could not bear the outrage offered to the Creator, whence the Son withdrew his beams, that he might not look upon the crime of these impious men. Origen. Some take occasion from this text to cavil against the truth of the Gospel. For indeed from the beginning eclipses of the Son have happened in their proper seasons. But such an eclipse would be brought about by the ordinary course of the seasons, could only be at such time as the sun and moon come together, when the moon passing beneath intercepts the sun's rays. But at the time of Christ's passion it is clear that this was not the case, because it was the paschal feast, which it was customary to celebrate when the moon was full. Some believers, desiring to produce some answer to this objection, have said that this eclipse, in accordance with the other prodigies, was an exception to the established laws of nature. Dionysius. When we were together at Hierapolis, we both observed such an interference of the moon with the sun quite unexpectedly, for it was not the season of their conjunction. And when from the ninth hour until the evening, beyond the power of nature, continuing in a direct line between us and the sun, in this obscuration, we saw begin from the east and so pass to the extreme of the sun's orb and again return back the same way being thus the very reverse of an ordinary eclipse chrysostom this darkness lasted three hours whereas an eclipse is transient and not enduring as they know who have studied the matter origin against this the children of this world urge how is it that of the Greeks and barbarians who have made observations of these things, not one has recorded so remarkable a phenomenon as this? Phlegion, indeed, has recorded such an event as happening in the time of Tiberius Caesar, but he has not mentioned that it was at the full moon. I think, therefore, that, like the other miracles which took place at the Passion, the rendering of the veil, and the earthquake, this also was confined to Jerusalem. Or if anyone chooses, it may be extended to the whole of Judea, as in the book of Kings, Abdias said to Elias, As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee, meaning that he had been sought in the countries round about Judea. Accordingly, we might suppose many and dense clouds to have been brought together over Jerusalem and Judea, enough to produce thick darkness from the sixth to the ninth hour, 
for we understand that there were two creatures created on the sixth day, the beasts before the sixth hour, man on the sixth, and therefore it was fitting that he who died for the salvation of man should be crucified at the sixth hour, and for this cause that darkness should be over the whole earth from the sixth to the ninth hour. And as by Moses stretching out his hands towards heaven, darkness was brought upon the Egyptians, who held the servants of God in bondage. So likewise, when at the sixth hour, Christ stretched out his hands on the cross to heaven, darkness came over all the people who had cried out, Crucify him. And they were deprived of all light as a sign of the darkness that should come, and that should envelop the whole people of the Jews. Further, under Moses there was darkness over the land of Egypt three days, but all the children of Israel had light. So under Christ there was darkness over all Judea for three hours, because for their sins they were deprived of the light of God the Father, the splendor of Christ, and the illumination of the Holy Spirit. But over the rest of the earth there is light, which everywhere illuminates the church of God in Christ. And if to the ninth hour there was darkness over Judea, it is manifest that light returned to them again after that. So when the fullness of the Gentiles shall have entered in, then all Israel shall be saved. Chrysostom. Or otherwise, the wonder was in this, that the darkness was over the whole earth, which had never come to pass before, save only in Egypt, what time the Passover was celebrated. For the things done then were a type of these. And consider the time when this is done, at midday, while over the whole world it was day, that all the dwellers on the earth might perceive it. This is the sign he promised to them that asked him, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh a sign, and there shall no sign be given it save the sign of Jonas the prophet, alluding to his cross and resurrection. And it was a much greater marvel that this should come to pass when he was fastened to the cross, then when he was walking at large on the earth surely here was enough to convert them not by the greatness of the miracle alone but because it was done not till after all these instances of their frenzy when their passion was past when they had uttered all that they would and were satiated with taunts and gibes but how did they not all marvel and conclude him to be god because the human race was at that time plunged into exceeding sluggishness and vice, and this wonder was but one, and quickly passed away, and none cared to search out its cause, or perhaps they attributed it to eclipse, or some other physical consequence. And on this account he shortly afterwards lifts up his voice to show that he yet lives, and himself wrought this miracle. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, etc., Jerome. He employed the beginning of the 21st Psalm. The cause in the middle of the verse, look upon me, is superfluous, for the Hebrew has only Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is impiety, therefore, to think that this psalm was spoken in the character of David, or Esther, or Mardochius, when passages taken out of it by the evangelist are understood of the Savior, as, They parted my garments among them, and they pierced my hands. Chrysostom. 
he uttered this word of prophecy that he might bear witness to the very last hour to the Old Testament, and that they might see that he honors the Father and is not against God. And therefore, too, he used the Hebrew tongue, that what he said might be intelligible to them, origin. But it must be asked, what means this, that Christ is forsaken of God? Some, unable to explain how Christ could be forsaken of God, say that this was spoken out of humility. But you will be able clearly to comprehend his meaning if you make a comparison of the glory which he had with the Father, with the shame which he despised when he endured the cross. Hilary, from these words heretical spirits contend either that God the Word was entirely absorbed into the soul at the time it discharged the function of a soul in quickening the body, or that Christ could not have been born man, because the divine word dwelt in him after the manner of a prophetical spirit, as though Jesus Christ was a man of ordinary soul and body, having his beginning then when he began to be man, and thus now deserted upon the withdrawal of the protection of God's word, cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? or at least that the nature of the word being transmuted into soul, Christ, who had depended on all things upon his Father's support, now deserted and left to death, mourns over this desertion and pleads with him departing. But amidst these impious and feeble opinions, the faith of the church, imbued with apostolic teaching, does not sever Christ that he should be considered as Son of God and not as Son of Man. The complaint of his being deserted is the weakness of the dying man. The promise of paradise is the kingdom of the living God. You have him complaining that he is left to death, and thus he is man. You have him, as he is dying, declaring that he reigns in paradise, and thus he is God. Wonder not then at the humility of these words, when you know the form of a servant, and see the offense of the cross. Gloss. God is said to have forsaken him in death because he exposed him to the power of his persecutors. He withdrew his protection, but did not break the union. Origen, when he saw darkness over the whole land of Judea, he said this, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Meaning, why hast thou given me over, exhausted to such sufferings, that the people who were honored by thee may receive the things they have dared against me? and should be deprived of the light of thy countenance. Also, thou hast forsaken me for the salvation of the Gentiles. But what good have they of the Gentiles who have believed done, that I should deliver them from the evil one by shedding my precious blood on the ground for them? Or will they, for whom I suffer these things, ever do aught worthy of them? Or foreseeing the sins of those for whom he suffered, he said, why hast thou forsaken me, that I should become as one that gathereth stubble in the harvest, and gleanings in the vintage? But you must not imagine that the Saviour said this after the manner of men, by reason of the misery which encompassed him on the cross. For if you take it so, you will not hear his loud voice and mighty words, which point to something great hidden. Rabanus or the Saviour said this as bearing about with him our feelings, who when placed in dangers think ourselves forsaken by God. Human nature was forsaken by God 
because of its sins, and the Son of God, becoming our advocate, laments the misery of those whose guilt he took upon him, therein showing how they who sin ought to mourn, when he who had never sinned did thus mourn. Jerome. It follows, some of them that stood by, etc., some, not all, whom I suppose to have been Roman soldiers, ignorant of Hebrew, but from the words Eli, Eli, thought that he called upon Elias, but if we prefer to suppose them Jews, they do it after their usual manner, that they may accuse the Lord of weakness in thus invoking Elias. So Chrysostom, thus the source of living water is made to drink vinegar, the giver of honey is fed with gall, forgiveness is scourged, acquittance is condemned, majesty is mocked, virtue ridiculed, the bestower of showers is repaid with spitting. Hilary. Vinegar is wine, which is turned sour either from neglect or the fault of the vessel. Wine is the honor of immortality or virtue. When this then had been turned sour in Adam, he took and drunk it at the hands of the Gentiles. It is offered to him on a reed and a sponge. That is, he took from the bodies of the Gentiles immortality spoiled and corrupted, and transfused in himself into a mixture of immortality that in us which was spoiled, Rigmigius, or otherwise the Jews, as degenerating from the wine of the patriarchs and prophets, were vinegar. They had deceitful hearts, like to the winding holes and hollows in sponge. By the reed, sacred scripture is denoted, which was fulfilled in this action. For as we call that which the tongue utters, the Hebrew tongue or the Greek tongue, for example, so the writing or letters which the seed produces, we may call a reed. Origin. And perhaps all who know the ecclesiastical doctrine but live amiss have given them to drink wine mingled with gall. But they who attribute to Christ untrue opinions, these filling a sponge with vinegar, put upon the reed of Scripture, and put it to his mouth. Rabanus. The soldiers, misunderstanding the sound of the Lord's words, foolishly looked for the coming of Elias. But God, whom the Savior thus invoked in the Hebrew tongue, he had ever inseparably with him. Augustine. When now naught of suffering remains to be endured, death still lingers, knowing that it has nothing there. The ancient foe suspected somewhat unusual. This man first and only he found having no sin, free from guilt, owing nothing to the laws of his jurisdiction. But leagued with Jewish madness, death comes again to the assault and desperately invades the life-giver. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Wherefore should we be offended that Christ came from the bosom of the Father, to take upon him our bondage, that he might confer on us his freedom, to take upon him our death, that we might be set free by his death. By despising death, he exalted us mortals into gods, counted them of earth worthy of things in heaven. For seeing the divine power shines forth so brilliant in the contemplation of his works, it is an argument of boundless love, that it suffers for its subjects, dies for its bondsmen. This, then, was the first cause of the Lord's passion, that he would have it known how great God's love to man, 
who desired rather to be loved than feared. The second was that he might abolish with yet more justice the sentence of death which he had with justice passed. For as the first man had by guilt incurred death through God's sentence and handed down the same to his posterity, the second man, who knew no sin, came from heaven that death might be condemned, which, when commissioned to seize the guilty, had presumed to touch the author of sinlessness. And it is no wonder for us he laid down what he had taken of us, his life, namely, when he has done other so great things for us and bestowed so much on us. Pseudo-Augustine. Far be it from the faithful any suspicion that Christ experienced our death in such short that life, as far as it can, ceased to live. Had this been so, how could aught have been said to live during that three days, if the fountain of life itself was dried up? Therefore Christ's Godhead experienced death through its partaking of humanity, or of human feelings, which it had voluntarily taken on it. But it lost not the properties of its nature, by which it gives life to all things. For when we die, without doubt, the loss of life by the body is not the destruction of the soul. But the soul, quitting the body, loses not its own properties, but only lets go what it had quickened and as far as in it lays produces the death of somewhat else, but itself defies death. To speak now of the Savior's soul, it might depart without being itself destroyed from his body. For this three days space, even by the common laws of death, and without taking into account the indwelling Godhead and his singular righteousness, for I believe that the Son of God died not in punishment of unrighteousness, which he had not at all, but according to the law of that nature which he took upon him for the redemption of the human race. Damascus. Although he died as man, and his holy soul was separated from his unstained body, yet his Godhead remained inseparate from either body or soul, yet was not the one person divided into two. For as both body and soul had from the beginning an existence in the person of the Word, so also had they in death, for neither soul nor body had ever a person of their own, besides the person of the word. Jerome, it was a mark of divine power in him thus to dismiss the spirit as himself had said, No man can take my life from me, but I lay it down and take it again. For by the ghost in this place we understand the soul so called either because it is that which makes the body quick or spiritual, or because the substance of the soul itself is spirit, according to that which is written, Thou takest away their breath, and they die. Chrysostom. Also for this reason he cried out with a loud voice to show that this is done by his own power. For by crying out with a loud voice when dying, he showed incontestably that he was the true God, because a man in dying can scarcely utter even a feeble sound. Augustine. Luke mentions the words which he thus cries out, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Hilary. Or he give up the ghost with a loud voice, in grief that he was not carrying the sins of all men. End of chapter 27, verses 45 through 50.